Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding in God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Pastor Brian and Paula, thank you for letting me fill in again. You guys are courageous. Because, you know, when you have a guest speaker, you never know what they're going to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't live far away, too. He could find me. But, I mean, uh, we're just up the street. But we always enjoy coming here. Uh, my wife's not feeling the best today. She said, say hello and thank you for your prayers. Um, teen Challenge. Uh, I know you're ministering to the Teen Challenge as coming down from New York. But there's a Women's Teen Challenge in Philly also. And many years ago... My wife and I went up there to deliver some vegetables with food ministry, which you have partnered with us, Bushels of Blessing. And I got to talk to the director at the Teen Challenge Women's Home in Philly. And here's a testimony. Someone reached out for her in her crisis. She was like 17, messing with drugs, all messed up. And I think it was an aunt or an uncle that reached out, found the Assemblies of God Teen Challenge program. I think she said she had grown up kind of like in a Presbyterian church. She came to that center there, gave her life to Jesus, and began to grow in the Lord. And she became the director of the program. And just a few years ago, she retired after 25 years as the director of Teen Challenge. That's what God does. He redeems people. But he uses people like us. Your offerings, your gifts that you're going to give to those women are going to make all the difference. Because who knows... All the stuff they've heard said, you're worthless, you're no good, the abuse they've taken, blah, 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 the drugs and all. But Jesus lifts people out of the pit, and he sets our feet on solid rock. And we know that because he did it for us. And I don't care where you were when Jesus found you, I need to tell you you were a sinner on your way to hell. You might have been a good sinner because you didn't do all those bad things. It doesn't matter. All of us need a Savior, and thank you, Jesus, he rescued me. He lifted me up out of the miry clay. And I'm so glad you rescued me. And so that's not in my sermon as such, but I just threw that in for free. You know, just like it's something that I felt God laid in my heart. Um, I have a number of passages that I'm going to read here in a minute. But um, look to the person next to you and say to them, you're a perfect 10. I know you might have to smile saying that. You're a perfect 10. Go ahead. look, Look around you, behind you. If you're married, you better say that to your wife if she's with you. The husband doesn't matter as much, but, you know, you're a perfect 10. Because that's the title of my thoughts this morning, and uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. One day, uh, driving some children to the school, or driving them home, the counselor had them play a game, and that's to keep their minds occupied. It makes the trip go quicker. And the game was, I spy with my little eye. Now, some of you might have played that game. I spy with my little eye something that's red or yellow or green. The other children in the van have to try to guess what it was. Oh, it's a stop sign. There's red on the stop sign. Okay, And they, they keep going on with this, um, and it takes the time up. And everybody, it's my turn now, it's my turn now, and they, they love it. Okay, I was reading a devotional this past week on thankfulness, and the author said this, and I, I just love the way he said it. Let every be a chance for I spy God moments. Catch that? You might want to write that little thing down. I spy God moments. Your life is full of blessings, and this is, I'm quoting right from what this person wrote. Your life is full of blessings, even if they feel like small ones, and as we notice them and give thanks, 
our outlook on things begin to change. Like a snowball, little blessings grow into bigger ones and our faith in God grows. When you see God's gifts or taste grace, give thanks. End of quote. I spy God moments. So I looked across the street from where we live, and I tell people, you know you live in the country when there's tractors going up and down the road. I mean, I love it. I, I grew up in the country. I love the country. And I looked across the street from where we live, right up on King's Highway, and I said to myself, I spy with my little eye something green, a field of soybeans. Now, it's not there now. They just harvested it a few days ago. And then there was a chance for an I spy God moment. So I found in searching with my little eyes and my little fingers online, an article published by Illinois farm families called Magic Beans. Five amazing uses for soybeans. Here's the condensation of that, that article. Number one, healthier cooking oil. Number two, sustainable fuel used to create biodiesel, which gives off less carbon and all that kind of stuff. Number three, cleaner oceans, lakes, and rivers. Number four, safer everyday household products. And number five, better food for animals. I'm thankful to God for soybeans and the wisdom he has given us to use it in so many ways. What are you thankful for? We take a lot of things for granted, don't we? Um, what I spy God moment have you had recently? They're everywhere if our eyes and our hearts are open to see them. So this morning, I spy outside something green. Can anybody tell me what I'm looking at? Grass. Grass. For those of you that don't like winter, you'll be glad you're not in Buffalo because when they're looking at their winter, they're spying ten, five feet of snow, not ten feet, five feet of snow. Are you all with me? You, you, you watch the news. And, and I looked at it yesterday, and it was still snowing some, the lake effect snow. And uh, how many of you aren't, are just can't wait to get out there with your shovel <laughs> and drive in the snow? Come on, come on. How many winter people do we have here? Do we have any winter? Okay, we have a few. Okay, we have a few winter people. The rest of you are like, Buffalo can have all that snow. It's, it's okay with us. Actually, we'll send more their way if they don't have enough. I spy green grass. I didn't wake up this morning shoveling snow, neither did you. Something to be thankful for and to pray for the people in Buffalo who are making tunnels to get out of their house and are getting in their snowmobiles to get around. I'm not making that up because five foot of snow, I can't even, that's, that's a real bunch, a whole lot. So the song, that one song that we sang, all the songs are great. Again, I'm, I'm always blessed being here as part of your worship and sharing and being with your pastor and his wife and you folks. Um, that's song about I'm wonderfully made, Psalm 139. Let me read this passage, and I'll read a few others because this will be our main passage. And it's a passage that many of you have read, I'm sure, many times. Psalm 139, I'm just reading from verse 13 to verse 18. For you, and the psalmist David is talking about God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, 
in the womb of my mother. And uh, we have a mother-to-be right here with us that's going to be giving birth, Lord willing, in June. Um, You can't see inside there. Now, we have the science, don't we, with ultrasound to look into the womb. But it's kind of hidden there, and that's God's design. And David, so there's nothing new. David's saying, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. And then I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 1. It's always good to read the very beginning and to understand where everything started. Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 1, 27, 28. And the notes in my Bible down below, just on verse 28, Man and, woman, man and woman were charged with being fruitful and ruling over the earth and animal kingdom. They were created to form family relationships. This stated purpose of God in creation indicates that he considers a godly family and the raising of children of utmost priority in the world. And then there's other verses that go along with that. So the first unit that God made is, is the family. How important is that? And we should make that a priority. It should be God. We worship you, God. And then in family, we work together in our family to have healthy relationships and uh, giving birth and um, the blessings that come with that. And I was telling this uh, young couple here this morning um, how God helps women in giving birth because, you know, other pastors in Genesis talk about the curse. Man's going to work. It's going to be tough. There's going to be thorns to make, get food and all that kind of stuff. And women are going to have pain in childbirth. How many of you women have had children? How many of you here are mothers? How many could tell us, guys, a thing or two about pain in childbirth? Okay. And, and some of you had numbers of children. My mother had six of us. Um, God definitely heals the memories and you have more children. In fact, I, and I've said this before, I think, but when I was born, my mother wasn't physically healthy at all or emotionally, and she had a nervous breakdown. And uh, for the first 11 months of my life, I lived with my aunt and uncle, who actually wanted to adopt me. They were brave. They already had five children. <laughs> they wanted to adopt me. But I would spend a lot of time with them growing up, and, um, and, and it was good. And then God healed my mom. She had two more children after me. It was six. And then mom and dad. You know, when you become a parent yourself and you have one child, I'm going to tell you what, you start to appreciate your mom and dad a whole lot more. You're like, how did they do it? I have one. I'm going crazy here. Six. I guess after number three, it's like, hey, Mary, you know your son's playing in the street? Yeah, it's okay. He's number three, four. <laughs> number one, oh, my goodness. Make sure they're strapped in. They don't fall. Make sure they have the helmet on, all that kind of stuff. He's out there drinking hose, water from the hose. He'll be okay. 
Jeff, Jeff Allen is one of my favorite Christian comedians. And I was watching a clip of his the other day, and he says, he said, suntan lotion? He said, when we were kids, we were always playing in dirt. We didn't suntan lotion. We had dirt all over us. It kept the sun off of us. I mean, come on. And we even drank water out of the hose. He says, look at me. I turned out okay. Well, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for family units. Whatever your family unit consists of, thank God for each member of that family. And if you have family members that aren't saved, pray for them. They'll come to know Jesus. Where there's breath, there's hope. And uh, sow love into their lives as God's, God's loved you. And then uh, this passage in Matthew, moving ahead there very quickly, um, Matthew chapter 19. I think these are very important passages for what I'm going to share here today. Matthew 19 Verses 4 to 6, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? That's the question. And uh, Jesus said, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore God has joined together the man not separate. This is God's ideal in a marriage, male and female being united till death do us part. Then in Matthew chapter, and I won't go into more details on that right now, but Matthew chapter 22, um, this passage of scripture, starting at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Um, When I look at this passage here, um, which I just read, I want to reflect on some things in it, but um, let me... Let me just go back to Psalm 139 for a moment. If you were to take the psalm and break it up, there's all kind of outlines you could do. But Psalm 139 is so excellent, and it just it gives us foundation information that we all need, and, it, and it, it agrees with all the other scriptures, okay? Uh, psalm 139, 13.1b, we're intimately known by God. Number two, we are purposefully made, Psalm 139, 14. And number three... God is in control, Psalm 139, 16. And number four, we're never alone, Psalm 139, verse 7. And then judgment belongs to God alone, be the final point, Psalm 139, 15. And um, you can put that together in any way you want. But um, in looking at this passage, I entitled my message, You're a Perfect Ten. And here's what I want to say to all of us here this morning, okay? If you don't, if you didn't get this ever in life. God made you and I with the exact skin color he wanted us to have. He made us with the exact height he wanted us to have. He made us with the right color eyes he wanted us to have. He made us with the right sex he wanted us to be, male or female. He made us with the right body build. He made us with the right hair color. He gave us the right parents. He gave, and go on and on. Are you all with me? This is so, so important. If you don't get this, that God made you, you're going to struggle all your life. And people do. Well, you know, my mom, 
my mom said that you were an accident. We weren't planning for you. You know, people said that. We already had enough kids. My wife was a, oops, I'm pregnant again. I'm serious. They had four others, and she wasn't planned. I'm glad that she wasn't an oops to God, an accident. See, none of us are an accident. It doesn't matter how you were conceived. It doesn't matter what your family unit looks like, where you were born, what your economic status. None of that stuff matters. God made you fearfully and wonderfully just how you are. And he has a great plan for your life. We need to get that because our world tells us a lot of stuff that's so different. Okay? So looking back at this passage here that I just read in Matthew 22, this is so important for us to get this down into our hearts too because if we don't get this into our hearts, then we, we struggle with relationships all of our life. Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments. By the way, the Ten Commandments are also a perfect ten. Okay? God didn't give us a hundred. He gave us ten. Out of them come all the principles of life. You know we have a problem following ten? Right? We have a problem following ten. The Pharisees and all those people, they, they had all these laws and blah, 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 which they didn't follow most of them. Jesus said, you're the blind leading the blind. You all fall in the ditch together. You know, you put heavy burdens on men. You don't keep them yourselves. So, Loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, all right? The, um, the principle here supposes that man should love themselves or they cannot love their neighbor. However, not in a sinful, narcissistic way, by indulging themselves in carnal lusts and pleasures, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, but in a natural way so as to be careful of their bodies, eating healthy, exercising properly, working and playing in proper proportions, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, taking vitamins, etc., and spiritually nourishing yourself by praising and thanking God for how he created you, the perfect 10, and daily reading and applying scripture to your life, praying and serving one another with God's love. It's so important that we get down in our heart again, I don't care where you are, what stage of life, that God made me. I accept his plan for me. And because I accept that and I take care of myself, I can love you because I know I'm loved by God and I accept his great plan for my life. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments and Jesus sums them up here, you need to know that they're broken down four and six. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This sums up the first four commandments. This direction is, is the, the vertical. God says, have no other gods before me. He has one of the idols. Don't even make an idol, the second one, out of wood, gold, silver to worship it. No misusing the name of the Lord. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. And, of course, number four, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy a time to worship God and reflect on all his blessings, to rest and refresh body, soul, and spirit. Those first four commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Down there, commandment number uh, three about not misusing the name of the Lord. Um, Barry McGuire got saved in the mid-60s. He had sung the, hit of the, uh, the Eve of Destruction. It was a hit song. Some of you might remember that. Uh, some of you go back then. I, I can look at your faces and your hair. And Monty, you're one of them. Um, <laughs> you want to know the word? 
Yeah, you probably have them. Actually, someone gave me a record years ago, an original record of Barry McGuire. But he was on his way to hell with all the sex, drugs, rock and roll of, of his era, and he got saved. And as he got saved, everything changes. Your language changes, of course. And he said, he said one day in talking, he says, you know, why is it that the name of the Lord is used in such a frivolous way? Or it's a, it's a fill-in word or whatever. You hear some people talk, they can't have a sentence complete without saying Jesus Christ in a wrong way or God damn in a wrong way, okay? They, they use those phrases. And um, he says, you're walking along, you accidentally drop your books in the mud. And, and the person says, Jesus Christ. He says, why don't they say, Hare Krishna, Buddha, Muhammad. No, name Jesus Christ. And he said something that I thought was very just insightful. He said, Satan wants to make the name of Jesus the most worthless, useless, fill-in, ordinary name because he knows it's the only name through which we have salvation. I said, you know what, that, that is so right on. It's, it's, it's so right on. He was realizing as he began to grow in the Lord how Satan just wants to take that name and make it a common used phrase or something that relates to pain. Oh, I should expect expected that, you know, and then you take the name of the Lord in vain. Like nothing good comes from God. That's Satan's desire, okay? Um, also, I've discovered in life and looking at the Bible that there's people that use God's name in vain as a scapegoat. God told me this. You know, the Old Testament is filled with false prophets who came to kings and said, do you want to hear what God said to me? And then there was always someone out there, kings, is there another prophet? Yeah, but you know, he always tells us stuff we don't want to hear. Yeah, because he's telling you actually what God said, not, not to tickle your ears what these other ones said. They used the name of the Lord in a worthless way. We were in D.C. Uh, many years ago for March for Life, and I'm, I'm glad your pastor in this church is 100% on board for babies and mothers and all the ministry that Cornerstone does. And um, as we got close to the Supreme Court building finishing the walk, there's always some pro-abortion protesters there screaming and hollering, and, and the camera's always on them. Forget the 100,000 pro-life people that are there. And one man was holding up a sign. I still remember this. He held up a sign that said, God said that abortion is okay. It's legal. And the police were all surrounded because they didn't want to be any problems. But I managed to get through all the stuff, and I walked over to him, and I said, excuse me, um, can you tell me in the Bible where God says that? He says, no, he said, God told me that personally. Well, I said, well, you have a different God than me. You see, that's how it is today. People use that name in a worthless way and as a scapegoat to say, I'm okay in what I'm doing or saying because God told me. Well, we can speak against that because whatever God told you better line up with Scripture or the God who created you didn't tell you that, but it's the God, little g, of this present world, Satan, who told you that. Just be very careful about someone coming up to you and say, God told me, or you saying God told me. You better line up with Scripture. You better really know God spoke. Or else it's false, it's heresy, it's a bunch of lies. So those are the first four commandments, they direct toward God. The second six, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? This is commandments five to ten. If you're going to love your neighbor, you're going to start in your family, and the Bible says honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God's given you. I believe that's the first commandment with a promise, okay? Starts right in the family. And then you should not murder. You should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not lie, you should not covet. 
In other words, treat others as you want to be treated. These six commandments are about loving your neighbor as yourself. So, if you don't want your neighbor to steal your car, don't steal their car. Even if it's nicer and yours is the piece of junk. Okay? Thou shalt not steal. So, every one of these six commandments here in, in the loving neighbor as yourself have to do with how you would want to be treated. Then you treat others that way. So, this is so important for us to get this down into our heart when the Lord has given us this um, passage of scripture, going back to being fearfully and wonderfully made, turning back to Psalm 139, that I can't love another person properly unless I have experienced his love and I'm following his commandments. And a big part of experiencing his love is to realize he created me just as I am a male. A man, okay? He created me with this skin. He gave me a mom that was part Italian, part German-English. And by the way, I've heard people say, I'm 100% Italian. He said, no, you're not. I'm 100% French. I'm 100%. No one's 100% anything because we all have the blood of Adam and Eve in our veins. I don't care what you've been taught or what people say. So we all learn to love each other because we're all brothers and sisters, right? We're all part of this big family, right? And by the way, when people separate for whatever reason, and often over the ethnic issues and prejudice, it's never a skin issue, it's a sin issue. People get it confused. It's a sin issue. If you don't think it's a sin issue, then you've got to check out the story again of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. Same home, same economic side, whole thing. And Cain kills his brother. It was a sin issue because he refused to listen to God. So get your facts right when you're having discussions with people and you're living in our culture. Now, we live, um, we live in a world, unfortunately, that has so many lies that spread around. And if we're not careful as Christians, we get caught up believing some of the lies. So let me tell you a little story. I love stories. How many love stories? I like true stories. This is a true story. I know your pastor will appreciate it because he's a hunter. I saw some of you people wearing shirts that have deer on the back with like 12-point rack on. I, I saw some of you this morning with those on. So you're sitting over here and there. Um, years ago, I had a chance to go elk hunting out in Craig, Colorado with my brother, his, his son, another man from the church, a friend of my brother's. A friend of my brother's from Bible college actually had pastored in Craig, Colorado. How cool is that? And he's always asking my brother about elk hunting. So he's like, hey, let's do it. We're in Pittsburgh, we're going to drive out, we're going to tent camp up in the mountains. He, he talked to these guys, they'll get his horses to pack us up there, you know, all that kind of stuff, because we're going way up in there and we're going to tent camp. So it was really awesome, all right? Here's what you need to know. When you're in a new area that you aren't used to, you better know how to find your way out. Now, we were hunting in October, Pastor Brian. Some of the days got up to 80. We had a couple of nights that were down to 5 degrees. You don't want to get lost in the woods when it's going down to five degrees. Unless you're really, really dressed really warm and you have some food with you. I'd rather not even be out there. Because when you hear the wolves howling up in the mountains, the mountain lions, and I'm not making anything up. They're, they're all up in those areas. You don't want to be out there. Even if you have a gun, you only have so many shells. So here's an important thing you carry with you. You carry a compass. How many of you, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, Royal Rangers, Missionettes, how many ever used a compass? Okay? 
machinettes? <laughs> Do they teach compasses in there? No, no, okay. They feared your, your husband would know if he went to Rangers, if he listened during that time. So anyway, my brother says to myself and his son, you guys walk all the way down this path, way on down there, and then you cut it and spread out. And I'm going to go in the woods over here, and I'm going to walk toward you to see if I can push something toward you, the typical way that guys hunt. So we walked down, and we spread out. And we, we knew about how far it was, because we knew how far we walked down this path to cut into the woods. We feared, you know, he's going to be coming through zigzagging a little bit, and taking his time. It's a beautiful day. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. Like, we didn't have cell phones. I don't even know if there was a signal up there anyhow. What happened to John? Where is he? My brother's been in the woods a lot. He's a great walker in the woods and a hunter, and we have a lot of good times together, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally, he shows up. I'm like, what happened, John? He says, here's what happened. I'm walking in the woods, and my eyes and my mind are telling me, this is the direction I need to go. The compass was saying, I should go that way. I figured my compass was wrong. <laughs> so I went with my eyes and my feeling and my mind, and he got lost. Looked at the compass again. He said, you know, maybe the compass is right. And he got to where we were because he followed the compass. We're afloat without a moral compass in our culture, if you haven't noticed that. This right here is the compass for life. Thy word have I hid in my heart, the psalmist said, that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you reject this compass right here, God's word, you are going to get lost in the woods. And you may never get out. But for the grace of God, you start to say, I I'm going to follow what his word says. Because my way isn't working. Are you here understanding what I'm saying this morning? Yes. You can't listen to your culture. You have to listen to God's word. His word never changes. You can take his word, as the phrase goes, you can take it to the bank. You can trust God, all his promises. They're true. They're yea and amen. Don't let the world deceive you and get caught up with all the stuff that's out there that sounds like, oh, that sounds so good. Isn't that what Satan comes to do? The Bible says he comes as an angel of light. But it looks so good. Yeah, Adam and Eve, it looks so good. It's going to make us wise. Oh, it's going to taste good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're here on the other side of the garden because they believe the lies. And don't worry if you, as a woman, say, I'm going to slap Eve when I see her in heaven. You'll be standing in line. <laughs> as someone has said, we're going to slap her. We would probably make a similar choice um, given the situation. So we need a moral compass, and we need to follow it, and it's God's word, or else we're going to get lost. So here's a couple of takeaways from Psalm 139 for us this morning. As I know my time is, uh, yeah, it's, it's already run out, isn't it? It's 12.01. Am I good? A couple more minutes. Okay. It might be more than a couple. First of all, God made you male or female, two genders, not 50. 
You're not a man today and a woman tomorrow, no matter how you feel or think or what society says. You're also not a cat coming to school wearing a collar and a leash as a teenager told me some in her school are doing. I don't make these things up. You are a male or female. That's how God made you. Don't try to be the other because you're not going to find the happiness anyway you're looking for in that. It's going to be, I accept how God made me. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, you should never apologize for how God made you. Why? Because Scripture says he knit you together in your mother's womb. He did it. Wonderfully made. Caleb, would you come up here a minute? He knit you together in your mother's womb. I, I just pulled this out from our house. I don't even know who made it. But it's just one of those, it was knit together by somebody. Knit, crochet, weave, wove, whatever you want to call it. Someone took the time to put that together. So Kayla, I know you're into knitting, crocheting. Come over here and just show us what you have. I don't have a mic to give you. You can, or is there a mic? Oh, wait a minute, right here's one. Okay. Just share with us a little bit about the, the process. What do you have in your hand, by the way? I have a baby blanket. I usually give away my things, so this is all I have. <laughs> a baby blanket. How precious is that? Isn't that <laughs> made with love. Not just made in a machine in the factory somewhere you bought at Walmart. Made with love, right? Beautiful. So what's the process of knitting, crocheting, putting all this together? What do you have to do? You take a ball of yarn and you take it one loop at a time. You loop and you pull it through and you loop and you pull it through in different ways and focus on one stitch at a time and before you know it, you got a blanket. So you didn't like just take a couple of balls of yarn, throw them in a paper bag, shake it up for about 10 minutes, and out came a blanket? Nope. I, like, did you ever mess up on one of these things where you noticed that your pattern wasn't what you wanted it to be? Yes. So yes. what do you have to do? You have to undo everything back to the mistake you made and fix it, and then you can move forward again. So the phrase, a stitch in time saves nine, mm -hmm. is that the right phrase, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you catch it before you go further, it's easier to fix it, right? Oh, yeah. So, so how many of these kind of things have you made over the last few years? Oh, my goodness. Uh, probably a dozen or so. How many? Probably a dozen or so. How, how long does it take to make something like, like this? Uh, like that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple of days. A couple of days. Okay. About, like, how many hours? Maybe two, three hours a day, a couple of days. So, like, your husband's driving somewhere on a long trip, you're sitting there just yeah. knitting away, crocheting, or whatever? Or when, when he's looking at something on TV, listening to the news, something you're just working on it, right? Yeah. Taking advantage of all this time. Isn't that beautiful? And anybody who has a new baby gets a homemade blanket like this or something that's quilted, they love it, right? It's something special. And thank you again. And it's good to know that if you make a wrong stitch, it can be corrected. Make a wrong loop. Aren't you glad that God can correct things in our lives? Yeah. Put us back to where he originally created us when we get caught up with stupid stuff, right? Thank you, Kayla. That's beautiful. Whoever you give that to is going to be blessed. Thank you. Um, so God made us. He put us together. I looked up the word knit, and it's interesting when you look up words, but the word knit means to make a garment blanket by interlocking loops of wool or other yarn with knitting needles or on a machine. Here's synonyms for the word knit. Bind, crochet, fasten, men sew, unite, Weave, spin, loop, interlace, all these things mean about the same thing, okay? So 
God made you as you are. You don't have to apologize to anybody. And neither should you think yourself better than anybody. That's the other part of it. I don't care what your economic status, what color your skin is, what language you speak, none of that stuff. Don't think you're better than anybody. We're all equal before God. And thank God for how he made you. And use what he has given you to bless people and gifts that he gives you. I don't have the gift of knitting. I, I don't know if I have the patience for that. But I can make stuff out of wood. You know, I can work on a car, fix it. But see, we all have different gifts. So God made you. And, and thirdly, here's what we, we struggle with. Concentrate on your heart rather than your body. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Men looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart, as God was instructing Samuel to find the next king, and ended up being little David, who was pretty much overlooked by even the prophet. Um, Tim, do you have those pictures, or Steve? I'll just bring those pictures up here of stuff we deal with in our society. And give me a few more minutes, if you would. You don't have to invite me back. It's, it's okay <laughs> if I speak too long. Can you, can you all see that? I thought it was cute. I didn't make that up. I just thought it was cute. How many of you ladies, be honest, when you got out of the car to come to church, oh, my hair, the wind's blowing all How many? Like, your wind, wind was blowing all over the place. I had to put my toupee back on again. It was just nasty. It was like, oh, my hair. I just at the hairdresser. Now the wind just blew it all over the place. Okay, that's kind of a little, little cute. And see, give us, a, give us the second ones. Haircuts, facials, waxing, ma- massage, manicure. If we can't make you look good, you ugly. Okay. I, I didn't make any of them up. I just saw them. I thought that would be fitting for today. Okay. Here's, here's the bottom line with this. Thanks, uh, Tim and Steve, for making that happen for me here. The cosmetic industry, revenue, revenue in the beauty and personal care market amounts to, amounts to $534 billion in America in 2022. The gym, health, and fitness clubs in 2022, $32 billion worth. Okay. Now, I'm not against someone trying to make themselves look better. Okay. My wife will say, if the barn needs some paint, paint. Okay, honey, paint, you know, put, put on some stuff there. But I think you look good as you are. But if you want to enhance it, okay, um, that's, that's good. You know, work out, keep, keep in shape. But I, I say to myself, how much do we work out our heart? Spiritually, because the heart is where all the issues of life come out of. And God looks on the heart, because if God didn't look on the heart, Samuel's first pick would have been the oldest son of Jesse, right? Because, you know, Saul looked good as a king. That turned out bad because his heart walked away from God. And when you read scripture, you read about people who looked really good, but their heart was evil. And uh, we look at two people, Absalom. Said there wasn't a finer man in the whole land. It's all there in scripture. I read it. And he would weigh his hair. And the long hair, like, what's that actor that had the real long hair fit? Not Fabian, not, was it? Fabian, whatever, yeah. Real long, he'd measure it, he'd have to cut it. And then after that passage, you go into the next chapter, and it's talking about the conspiracy he is planning against his father, David, to kill his father, not just take the throne, but to kill his father, then take the throne. And wouldn't you know, his hair is what caused the problem? Riding under a tree, whoops. He's hanging by his hair when David's soldiers find him. 
and kill him. Jezebel. How many have named your kids Jezebel? <laughs> She's known as a wicked, 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 wicked woman, married Ahab. And as they're coming, and she doesn't realize it's her last final moments, she's looking out the window, and it says she put on all her makeup and everything. And they said it wasn't necessarily so much that she's trying to seduce anybody. She's like, I'm the queen, and I look pretty good. And then they threw her down from the window, and she was trampled, and the dogs ate her body. It's all in scripture, because she was wicked as can be. Someone says that beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. Don't be ugly in your heart. Because if you're ugly in your heart, what you look like in the outside doesn't mean a hill of beans. But if you have a right heart, that's what God honors. And you can be a blessing to people around you having a right heart. So going back to this passage of Scripture again, God made us. He knit us together. Thank you, Jesus. That, that brought, brings great release to me because when I was a kid... I was wiry and we were strong, but I couldn't put on the bulk like some of those kids in school. You know, they walk around, they're on the team and showing their muscles. You know, I had the Charlie Atlas muscle building course. It didn't work for me. You know, anybody Charlie Atlas going back down? You know, we were lifting weights and pulling springs and all that kind of stuff. But, man, I, I, someone could kick sand in my face at the beach because I didn't have the, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I wasn't like that. And some of you women, oh, it's teenagers, horrific. Well, you got to look a certain way. You have the right build, you know. Or, you know you my, this stuff comes from the devil. I'm going to tell you what. God made you as you are. Change your hair color all you want. Change your eye color. Put on higher heels, put on lower heels. It doesn't matter. God made you wonderfully and fearfully. He has a great plan for your life. Here's what you discover in life. Hurting people hurt people. And if you never identify that God made you and he loves you, you have a hard time loving other people because there's so much turmoil inside your own spirit. Healed people heal people. Don't forget that. Hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. If you've been healed by God and you've come to accept yourself as God sees you as a perfect 10, you're a blessing. Look at the person next to you again, around you, behind you. You're a perfect 10. You're a perfect 10. You've been made. You've been made in the image of God. You're wonderfully made, knit together, woven together, just as he wanted you to be. We give thanks. Amen. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for this church, for the way this church has blessed so so many people, and continues to proclaim the word of God. Thank you for Pastor Brian and Paula. Bless them, I pray, in every way. Bless this church, Lord. May the blessings continue to flow. May we continue to preach your word and believe it, live it, not to compromise in our culture, but stand up and say, the only way you'll be set free from your searchings and wonderings and trying to find happiness and satisfaction in life is to know God, the one who made you. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life to the full, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. So, Lord, we, we ask you to forgive us when we believe the lies of the thief. We cling to you, God, and we discover again your great plan for our lives every day. And we will fearlessly stand up and proclaim, thus saith the Lord, as we love people as ourselves, because we believe you created us 
and were not an accident. You didn't shake some things together and there was an explosion and out we came. No, you knit us together. And we thank you for that and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.